0: love talk radio Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. That's the philosophy behind the uniquely American sense of life, the sense of life of those who believe we have the right to life, liberty, and most importantly, the pursuit of your own individual happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me in a couple minutes here is going to be cartoonist Bosch Fawsten. Today, we would like to talk to you about first... Edward Snowden's email server, the company that hosted his email, has apparently shrugged, which means it closed doors to business instead of complying with government's requests. At least that's what it seems to be. They're under a gag order of some kind, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Chris Christie and the recent gun control legislation that he signed into law in New Jersey in particular there was a piece that talks about no guns going to anyone who is on the federal terrorist watch list which sounds like not a big deal except for the fact that the watch list is entirely secret and there is no way to petition your you know having your name removed from that watch list so i think there are some concerns there And uh, we've got a whole bunch of other stories. If you want to follow along and look at all the stories that we would want to discuss today, go to DontLetItGo.com. That's DontLetItGo.com. And scroll down on the first post to the place where you see Program Notes, and you will find links for all the stories that I plan to discuss today. First, just a couple of quick program notes. Let me... uh, get to the proper place here. I'm already looking at one of the stories that I want to talk to you about. First, uh, yesterday, it was kind of a surprise to me. I got a late uh, Wednesday message from Tammy Bruce, and she asked, I know it's short notice, but I've got a really hectic day tomorrow. Can you guest host for me? So I went ahead and guest hosted for Tammy Bruce's show yesterday. That marks the eighth time that I've done it. I was very happy to be asked back, so thanks, Tammy, for, for doing that. Those of you who are supporters of the show, you know that you will always get recordings of those appearances sent to you by me by email later in the day of the day that I do it. So you don't have to listen from 10 to 12. What Tammy does is she gives her live show to everyone to listen to free, but podcasts go only to her supporters. But she has said that I, as a guest host, am able to also share those recordings with my supporters. So... Uh, if you would like to go ahead and support the podcast, get recordings of all of those, go to my blog. And that first link there under the program notes at DontLetItGo.com is to a post that talks about supporting the podcast, but it also gives a list of all the interviews that I've done on Tammy Bruce's show. And there are some good interviews, including uh, well, I think one of the most interesting things that we did is I spoke with Leonard Peikoff about – using the word Islam to describe the ideology that's motivating terrorists in this country. And he has an argument that in the interview with him for why that's essential to do. So that's just one of the little tidbits that I try to entice you with to get over there. Uh, there's a link there you'll see under the program notes for the new Sunny TV video. I had Sunny Lohman on yesterday on Tammy Bruce's show for a brief discussion and, and also hearing about this new video series. She's doing a new weekly video series. And it's funny still because Sunny does humor, but it's all also a little more newsy and topical. And it's going to be coming to you on a weekly basis. The link that I have over at the program notes will take you to the YouTube page for House of Sunny, where you can subscribe and check out that new video. Uh, but hang around here for a while and listen to my show before you go watch the video. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, some of you might be really tempted to go watch Barack Obama. I assume. Just given his past track record that in a few minutes he'll be sauntering in for the presser that was supposed to start four minutes ago or so. I know you're really tempted, and I know, you know, maybe I just won't have much of an audience today. I mean, we've always got the NSA, like, hanging out. Hi, dudes. Thanks for listening. But other than that, I mean, I I don't know. I know you're tempted. You want to go watch Obama, but... You know, I was thinking, I was like, we while I'll watch him together, and I could comment. And I thought, oh my God, it'd just be such a waste of time. And I I like to read his transcripts rather than watch him on video, so we'll just uh, we'll we'll do that. Maybe we'll be talking about that next week. Maybe I'll have to do a special SoundCloud dispatch to react to something. Who knows? One cool thing about Sunny, by the way, is I'm actually gonna try with uh, her help a little bit of a tutorial from Sunny to do a video. And I'll let you know if I think the experiment with that goes well, and and we'll post it. And uh, I'll be talking to you about that next week. So what else do we have? Follow-up from last week. We talked a lot in last week's show about the people who say we shouldn't try to defund Obamacare. And one of the arguments was, well, we shouldn't try to defund Obamacare because all that's going to get rid of is the discretionary spending, not the mandatory spending. And that's going to be messy for a variety of reasons. Uh, I have on my blog a link, and actually you can watch the video right there on the blog at DontLetItGo.com. You can watch Ted Cruz discussing the proposed rider to the next continuing resolution. And that writer would defund both the discretionary and the mandatory spending for Obamacare. So there is a real chance to stop this legislation before it gets off the ground, before, you know, as Ted Cruz has discussed, before people get addicted to yet another entitlement program. Go sign the petition at don'tfundobamacare.com if you haven't already. I checked this morning. And over 280,000 people have signed the petition. But as Cruz has said, I think we should get a million or more signing that thing and really making a showing there. I think it's pathetic that anybody who calls themselves a Republican would not be for defunding Obamacare because they know, you know, the writing is on the wall. (laughs) I see in the chat room that Robert NYC is not going to go watch Barack Obama. In fact, the word he used is yuck which is wonderful uh waldo waldo reviews yes he says is it working it is working it's his first time in chat welcome waldo to chat that's great we, act, we have not only didn't lose everybody but we have a new person in chat so welcome waldo and i see ed is hanging out in there as well thank you uh, he says why can't christy be under a gag order i yeah we'll talk about him um we will definitely talk about him. But, yeah, go sign that petition if you haven't already. I would almost tell you just don't listen to this show. Go sign the petition. But you've got 50 some odd days to to sign that petition. So I think we've got a little bit of time. So let's go ahead and start talking about the first story. Actually, you know what? I should give you some information to chime in. right? Not only can you chime in over at the chat at Blog Talk Radio, as people are already doing now, but you can call in to this show if you'd like to discuss some of the topics we're going to uh, cover today. 760-888-5817 is the number. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And as I said, cartoonist Bosch Faustin will also be chiming in here in a moment or two. He went and gallantly got us Starbucks, which I'm very grateful for it's always nice to have a little bit of a a latte and do the show and hang out with you guys so let's talk snowden his email provider is one of these email providers who offers encrypted secure very private email and his i guess was called lava bit right um but uh You know, there are a couple others as well that provide a similar type of service. And the story that I first saw was a Washington Post story from yesterday saying that Snowden's email server, you know, know, was shutting down. And then there's a New York Times story uh, that was also published yesterday, August 8th, that I just saw out on Facebook this morning, thanks to Rob Abiera and a couple other people. And the headline over at the New York Times, it's a blog there, the bits.blog.newyorktimes.com. It says two providers of secure email have shut down. And it says two major secure email providers on Thursday took the extraordinary step of shutting down service, closing their doors entirely, and in fact, destroying their servers, just destroying them. So if you were storing your email on the servers of this company, you're going to be quite angry. But apparently they took the calculated risk of saying, well, we'll make our customers a little bit mad, but we'd rather do that then betray them and turn over their private information to the government. At least one of the companies said that. So one company is a Texas-based company called LavaBit. It was reportedly used by Edward Snowden, and it announced its suspension Thursday afternoon, citing concerns about secret government court orders. And then by evening, another company, Silent Circle, a Maryland-based firm that counts heads of state among its customers, said that it was following LavaBit's lead and shutting its email service as a protective measure, even though the government hadn't, started to, go, hadn't you know, started to go after Silent Circle yet. There was no court order involved with that company. Taken together, the New York Times says, the closures signal that emails, even if they are encrypted, can be accessed by government authorities, and that the only way to prevent turning over the data is to obliterate the servers that the data sits on. Mike Janke, who's Silent Circle's chief executive, said in a telephone interview late Thursday that his company had destroyed its server. He says, Gone. Can't get it back. Nobody can. End quote. And he said, quote, We thought it was better to take flack from customers than be forced to turn it over. End quote. Since the company in a blog post dated Friday, August 9th, said it had taken the extreme measure even though it had not received a search order from the government. So it's a preemptive measure. Uh, Ladar Levison, who's the owner of Lavabit, the Texas company for Snowden, he suggested, though he did not say explicitly, that he had received a search order and that he was opting to shut down the service so as to not be com- you know, complicit in crimes against the American people. And the reason that people have, you know, kind of surmise that this was all due to the Snowden stuff is because he mentions that the legal battle has gone on for about six weeks which is about the time since Snowden has revealed all of the NSA's activities in the Guardian UK so here's a a quote from the owner of Lababit he says after significant soul-searching I have decided to suspend operations he says I wish that I could legally share with you the events that led to my decision. I cannot. He's under a gag order. He says, I feel you deserve to know what's going on. The First Amendment is supposed to guarantee me the freedom to speak out in situations like this. Unfortunately, Congress has passed laws that say otherwise. As things currently stand, I cannot share my experiences over the last six weeks, even though I have twice made the appropriate requests, end quote. And here we're talking FISA, the FISA Amendments Act, the Patriot Act. These are the ones that prohibit the companies that are complying with the government requests from publicizing the fact that they are doing so. And that is why when the PRISM program was first leaked by Snowden and the the press went, of course, scurrying to all the different companies that supposedly have participated in PRISM, all the companies said, oh, no, never heard of it. I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. They have to. They are compelled by law with this gag order. And and then uh, the New York Times says here, the gag order could refer to a secret court order from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, that's the FISA court, or a national security letter. Both prohibit the recipient from saying anything about it. And then they say Silent Circle, which has been in operation for less than a year, said it would continue its phone and text messaging service, which are encrypted end-to-end. Email, by its very nature, he said, is within the reach of any government. And he said, we considered phasing the service out, continuing service for existing customers, and a variety of other things up to today, he continued. He says, it is always better to be safe than sorry, and with your safety, we decided that the worst decision is always no decision. Yeah, because if you make no decision, you're deciding. The government can come after you. It um, says so the announcement spread fast on social media, drawing praise, anxiety, and donations to LavaBit's legal mm. defense fund, which I think would be a worthy cause, of course. Um, and what do you think, Bosh? I mean, you praise these companies or what? Yeah, Bosh, join in here.
1: I do. It's, uh, it's a principal stand, unlike our, our government. You know, the good guys are going on the run the government is in, intact. And yeah, this is a uh, this is this is a good move on his part. And, I mean, this is
0: this is really Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. you know. they the government is trying to dictate the ways in which you can do business.
2: Yeah.
0: And when a company that makes its very name on the fact that it offers privacy, complete privacy in email, when that company is being forced by government to turn over information yeah. when it doesn't believe that it should be, you know, having to. That that's it. You just say, okay, I I refuse to do business on these terms. I'm not gonna do it anymore.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, Snowden is considered a traitor, traitor, quote unquote, uh, because he exposed that our government's up to no good. He exposed him, and no one no one else knew about it. I mean we, we only learn about it through him again. That's that's why uh what he did was right and he's paying a price for it.
0: Yeah, so both, both of these companies have shrugged. And actually, if you if you look over at DontLetItGo.com, you'll see that I also have a link to a third story, which is that the U.S. government killed three secure email services this week. So there's two mentioned in the New York Times story. There was one discussed in that original Washington Post story that I saw. So let me see if I can find out who the third company, there's Silent Circle, Um and then they, I got the same quote, you know, in this particular story. This story is motherboard.vice.com. And so we got Silent Circle. And then what else do we have in, in addition? Um, oh, I think there's another company called TorMail. Yeah, TorMail. Because FBI has compromised TorMail. So that's why they say that they've lost three. So it's not like three of them have shrugged. It's that one company called Tormail has been compromised by the FBI. But bravo to the two companies that have shrugged. I mean, I don't know, it's it's only a matter of time that the silent circle, insofar as it's still offering phone and text services that are completely secure, I'm thinking the government's going to try to go after them as well. I don't know how they think they're going to be able to continue to offer completely secure services, because again, this goes back to the third party doctrine, which is part of Fourth Amendment jurisprudence in this country, it says that, once you share information with a third party, Silent Circle, LavaBit, whoever, you know, I mean, I mean, think about this. I was thinking, yeah, maybe I should switch over to one of these secure email services. But apparently there is no such thing in this country anymore yeah. as a secure email service. That's what the government is making sure to do, that to intimidate all of these service providers so they can't do it anymore. But what the third party doctrine says is you turn that information over to that email company as part of your business transaction, you have lost your reasonable expectation of privacy in that email or whatever you know information, your metadata, anything. And therefore, when the service provider turns the information over to the government, there has been no search at all. It is not a search. Therefore the Fourth Amendment doesn't even come into play. Fourth Amendment does not apply to information you share with third parties under the current doctrine. And that is why I have written my law review article arguing that the third party doctrine should be completely eliminated. And if you happen to know an articles editor to a law review <laughs> near you, tell them that they should pick up my piece because I submitted it on August 1st and I'm waiting to see where it's going to be published. But I, you know, I argue for the total abolition of this doctrine. I think it's completely wrong. I think the only place in which it's right are the cases in which the doctrine first arose. And that's the case in which you have, say, Tony Soprano in his basement talking to his quote-unquote colleagues in the mafia, right? And they're discussing all their criminal plans. And one of those colleagues turns government informant and gives information over to the government. I think in that case, Fourth Amendment should not protect But you've got to read my article to hear why I think that that's true, how you can save the government's ability to use secret agents while getting rid of the third party doctrine. It can be done. We can have security and privacy. We can have it both if we have a legal system in which privacy is protected the proper way. We should be able to protect our privacy through contracts with, say, an email company. Our right to contract should be enough to protect our privacy, but now they have this flimsy right to privacy that everyone just clings on to as if it 's going to offer them some hope of anything and the government is entirely in charge of whether or not you have a quote right to privacy and they 've you know they 've totally decimated i don 't know if that's the right use of the word anymore as far as I know decimated is supposed to mean reduced to one tenth of its former size or scope or whatever. So I would say that they've completely, the government has completely decimated property and contract in this country and therefore made it incapable of properly protecting our privacy. But if if they did it right, if uh, if we really enforce the rights to property and contract in this country, then we'd be fine. There's another story that Rob Abiera sent me a link to. Thanks, Rob, again. And it it represents a faint glimmer of hope For privacy on the internet and I say it's faint because I the way the government's going today I figure they're going to figure out some way to stop this from happening what am I talking about I'm talking about an article that Rob sent me from New Scientist published August 8th coincidentally enough with all of this uh, snooping news says worried about the NSA snooping on your email maybe you need to start creating your own personal internet and the headline of the story is meshnet activists rebuilding the internet from scratch and apparently meshnet is the name for people or the actually the the private internet the completely private internet that is starting to be created by individuals and in in the story they're called hackers mm-hmm. and i've i've had kind of a pet peeve about the word hacker in the past cuz i always think hackers mean the people who hack into an iphone mm-hmm. In violation of the terms of the contract with Apple and try to get out of you know their contracts with their service providers and all that kind of stuff. But a hacker, I guess, in the industry traditionally just means somebody who has come up with a new and clever way to solve particular problems, either problems in making software work or problems like this, which is how can you get security in a day and age in which the government has access to all reaches of the Internet? You say, I'm not even going to access the government-accessible Internet. I'm going to create my own mesh net, is what they're calling it, their own private Internet. It says, across the U.S., from Maryland to Seattle, work is underway to construct user-owned wireless networks that will permit secure communication without surveillance or any centralized organization. They are known as mesh nets, and ultimately, if their designers get their way, they will span the country. I think it's wonderful. I want to be counted in. I understand that you could probably do so all sorts of encryption and stuff so that the only way it could be stopped is if you actually have government going into people's homes, I guess, and invading their homes and shutting the equipment down, but I think uh I think that this would be a wonderful wonderful thing if it could continue. Uh, people are, I guess you can find out at that article how you could get involved and contribute to it. And maybe if you're a techie person, you can host part of the wireless servers that are going to serve this. I, it, it's a great idea. I just, I'm starting to get very skeptical about the future of privacy right now. This is awesome. Bosch brought not only Starbucks lattes, but an, a little pastry. That's one of my weaknesses. I usually try to eat paleo-ish. But Starbucks pastries are one of my weaknesses. So we have this yummy little slice of pumpkin bread sitting here tempting me. And I could just start chewing it and rudely mm-hmm. talking with my mouth full or something. But I think I will, I'll pass for the time being here. Let's see if we've got calls over here at 760 888 5817. I know that there's one person who's called in who's just listening. There's another person who might also just be listening. If you do want to ask a question, I think Blog Talk tells you to push a little button like one or something on your phone, and then I'll get a little icon that has a question mark on it. It's a nice little yellow thing in my display, and it'll tell me you want to speak. Otherwise, Go over here to the chat at Blog Talk Radio and see what people have to say about these stories. Oh, Ed wants me to post a preprint of my article. I don't know. I'm shy about it right now. We'll see. I think once I know where it's going to be placed, I'll probably put it up on SSRN. A lot of people, once their papers are accepted, they put it up there and they say, accepted paper series, here's my paper, and it's coming out in such and such journal, so-and-so. And then I'll let everybody Check it out and see it. I'm I'm sharing it only with the academic world right now. Uh, Now people are talking about the – actually, this is Ed again. He says that these email servers are going to move offshore eventually. That would be really nice because that – I mean, that's what I saw actually out on Twitter. They're saying if you want to have a secure email company, then you have to set it up in a privacy-friendly country like Iceland. Remember, that was the place that Snowden reportedly initially wanted to get asylum he wanted to go to iceland he didn't want to end up in russia he's not buddies with putin you know he wanted to go someplace where he thought his values were shared by the people there and that would be a place like iceland apparently that's where you'd have to go right now unless and than until we do a whole revamp of our legal protection of privacy i i just don't know what to do state defiance in the chat room. He says, honestly, the last time anyone had any privacy was when Bill Clinton was with Monica in the White House. <laughs> we didn't
1: even, out about that.
0: even then we eventually found out, right? So that was it. Oh, Rob is uh, wel- uh, saying I'm welcome. Yeah, Rob is awesome. He's, he shares great links with me all the time, and sometimes I actually do the links a little bit of justice. So... I don't know. Now, Waldo asked if I've seen the trailers for Elysium. Do you know what that is?
1: Yeah, Matt Damon movie. Oh,
0: what what is it? It's Tell me. It's about
1: the haves and have-nots. What's new? Matt Damon is a socialist, you know, mm-hmm. anti-American. And I think it has to do with, uh, it's a it's a terrible time in um, in America and, and the world, I guess. And L.A. is a hellhole. And then there's something, I don't know if it's a space station, I don't know what it is, but uh, all the rich live like kings. And the non-rich live like nothing, and so he, I guess, is fighting that some way. And he's—he also, you know, he actually lied. Uh, Matt Demme said this has nothing to do with politics. It's just entertaining, kick-ass movie, BS. He was neighbors with Howard Zinn. He, be, he became one of his, uh, I guess, students. Howard Zinn was the uh, anti-American scum who wrote what was it—the um, one of the most popular history books in America. I mean, we're you know we're we're the worst thing in the world, whatever. So. I don't know, uh it, it you know he's a good actor, I will give him that Matt Damon, but he's his politics have trumped everything to the point where every time I see him now I was, oh, that's Matt Damon, the leftist, the far left actor, and so it's just it, he ruins himself like that, he really does he could have been just a like Christian Bill, I don't know where he's coming from, he might be liberal, I don't know, doesn't matter he's he's a great actor, and we don't know, and that's better,
0: yeah, now it's the movie looks sort of like the anti atlas shrugged
1: I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe um, the richer, I guess, living. At maybe, at, maybe they can try to say richer living at the expense of the poor. Somehow mm-hmm. they can try to fit that in there. Uh, Jodie Foster's in there. He's in there. Uh, it mm-hmm. looks well made. You know, they got to make sure. The left has to make sure that their movies at least look good because it's. You know, if you take it on the sheer story, it, it collapses on itself. But if it looks good, it might fool enough people that oh, this might be just an adventure movie. Well, no, it's not. It's an agenda-driven movie with a lot of polish. And he, you know, he's a good actor. She's a good actress. So they'll try to, I guess, uh, get around that. But no. Nah.
0: You know, in terms of privacy in this country, State Defiance had this joke there about, uh, you know, there wasn't any privacy, and basically, there's been no privacy since Bill Clinton was with Monica hmm. in the White House. But hmm. actually, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. And here's why. There I think is he's joking, there but... is privacy today in one place. It's for Barack Obama mm. having a meeting with a whole bunch of tech executives <laughs> about our privacy. Right. They have privacy in their meeting, we have no privacy. Right. So they have and they were
1: transparent was it was an open video oh, I mean what? he
0: yeah, he's supposed to be the most transparent administration ever, and yet when he is talking about the very thing, which no, is I about. mean, you know what he means? this is what he meant. It's the most transparent administration ever, which means that our lives are the most transparent that they've ever well, been to that. the government. You own that, yeah, sorry. okay? No, will. Uh, we'll, we'll make some sort of graphic afterwards. No, I'm, no, I,
1: no, but true. I are, hereby
0: commission you to make a graphic about this. I,
1: no, I did, did write that, but um, it's true. It's absolutely true. We are the most transparent citizens ever yeah Definitely our our know. lives are transparent lives, yeah. to
0: him basically and yes. That's way, what he meant he just and forgot and to, you know so so listen to this this is an article at politico and and Tammy Bruce was talking about this uh, this morning and then as i was doing my little news sweep this morning i'm looking over on dredge and i saw a link to this article so uh Tammy you know, did it pretty much justice. Although I have to talk to Tammy because Tammy still speaks in terms of a right to privacy. And I want to explain to her why I think even talking about privacy in terms of a right to privacy is throwing away our privacy. It concedes too much. But um, that's another story for another day. This is something I've specialized in for years. And I've got that really strange outline argument that nobody likes that much <laughs> about property and contract, right?
1: But, it, well, it's not strange. That's that's the problem.
0: Yeah, but she, she, was, she was very upset about this this morning and another privacy-related story. And this one is – here's the headline. Apple's Tim Cook, comma, tech executives meet with Barack Obama to talk surveillance. Now, first thing. When I I look at this, Apple's Tim Cook. Look, we've got Apple's Tim Cook meeting with us. Apple, you know? Apple's awesome, you have and and if if Apple would meet with us well yep. then everything that we're up to must be okay. And
1: political is a leftist rag, so that's why they, they put his name exactly. first. They don't say Obama meets with tech tech executives. Apple's the first word is Apple. Apple's cool, right? Oh yeah. Mm, so. you,
0: you like Apple? Right. All you cool independent people <laughs> exactly. think differently. I think right? Tim
1: Cook is an absolute leftist hack. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Jobs was liberal, but he was a pretty pretty rational, especially yeah. about these issues.
0: I mean, I mean the fact that he's a in this headline shows yeah. that there's no authority to appeal, appeal to, no. right? This is an appeal to authority Absolutely. right he here. Was,
1: you know, he was and, at the State of the Union Tim Cook and yeah. some, some other things. Just yeah. real, real hack. And,
0: and of course what they're trying to do is they're trying to invoke Steve Jobs yeah. who was a true individual yeah. and who I think wouldn't stand for this no. garbage. No, I, I remember reading yeah. in Steve Jobs' biography yeah. a Passage in which they talked about how important it was to Apple to preserve customer privacy, Mm -hmm. that they were very, uh, you know, concerned to make customers feel like they could trust their private information with Apple and that Apple would treat it well. It's just going down the tubes here. But, you know, you think about this again, this is out of Atlas Shrugged, right? And I'm not giving any spoilers about this. Everybody knows that there's a steal industrialist, you know, a steel making industrialist reared in in Atlas and I remember that there was a particular meeting of steel industrialists right. in which they tried to get Reardon to come meet with them. And they knew it was because if Reardon met with them, they were hoping it would say something good about yes, them.
1: exactly right.
0: They were hoping that the respect that Reardon had yep. among a certain segment of the population would rub off on them. And this is exactly what Politico is yep. doing with this headline here, saying Tim, 100%. Tim Cook, hey, if Tim Cook is yep. meeting with Obama to talk surveillance – you don't have to worry that the meeting's not transparent; yep. that it's a secret meeting; that you don't know anything about what's going on behind those closed doors. Ah, just trust it because it's Apple's Tim Cook who's meeting with
1: us. You know, uh, Robert says sell Apple stock if you have any of their days are over as innovators, leaders, and I think that will eventually be true. But I think there's still some fumes left over from uh, Jobs, from Jobs' work. Yeah, at, the next at, few years, at,
0: at some point there soon. have been
1: things in the tank that uh, will, uh, will be released that he has something to do with. But after that, who knows?
0: Well, here's a question though, Bosh, Right. 'Cause the more that Tim Cook I know. compromises I know. with evil like true.
1: this. Absolutely true.
0: I think it's going to diminish any of the value that the leftover ideas yeah. of jobs and the leftover culture. I think it will
1: if he remains at the top, yes. It'll, you know, uh, unless you get someone who actually is outraged by what Tim Cook is doing and within the within the company said this is not what Apple's about. We are not, you know, government pets. We're not. Uh, hopefully they do something about it. I don't know. But we'll see. We we will see, you know, Rotten Apple I guess will be new, will be the new name.
0: Right, right. Says so President Barack Obama hosted Apple CEO Tim Cook, AT&T CEO Randall Stevenson, Google computer scientist Vint Cerf, and other tech executives and civil civil liberties leaders on Thursday for a closed door meeting about government surveillance. Sources tell Politico closed door, closed door. I, I you know the word that just occurred to me begins with an A and it's not for children. Um
1: Are any children listening? I, I doubt it.
0: I, I doubt it. But I on Blog Talk I make my show visible for everyone, so I have to censor myself. You know, on Red Eye half the time it's like bleep, 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 bleep. We don't have bleeping. No. So I have to bleep myself here. And uh, it says the session which Obama attended himself. Ooh. Oh. Uh Followed a similar gathering earlier no. this week between top administration officials, tech industry lobbyists, and leading privacy hawks. The sources just said. Just one
1: observation: mm-hmm. you got this uh, unaccomplished individual who relies on people to get everything that he's ever gotten. When it comes to you know being voted into power, everything, and he's never created anything with achievers. You know, it's just it's it's, it's so indecent. It's unbelievable. He walks in as if he's the most important person when he's the least important person. And, but they tr- probably treat him like he's the most important person, as if he did something.
0: You know, basically, Bosh, I could give you a script of this closed-door meeting right <laughs> now, right? Because it says that they had, this, uh, they had these off-the-record discussions, earlier off-the-record discussions, that centered on the controversy surrounding the NSA as well as commercial privacy issues such as tr- online tracking of consumers, <laughs> end quote. So basically, I think what Obama did is like, ah, don't worry about our NSA stuff. Security, security, security. We're stopping terrorism. Security, security. Oh, you evil companies trying to make a profit by tracking consumers online. You are so evil. You are so evil. You have to stop it. And then they go outside the meeting, and Obama gives a little statement that says, we made a lot of progress in protecting Americans' privacy. And the progress is that he's trying to push the companies not to... Quote invade privacy right. as much as they do
1: because he's coming what, to the rescue.
0: Well, man. yeah, I mean because that's you know the they they can't stop their security tracking because you know their security tracking was so effective in stopping the Boston bombers, so effective, right?
1: I mean, you think about that, you know. And uh, Russia kept warning us about them. They knew about them. The FBI yeah. interviewed them, yeah. and they allowed them to kill Americans. And they they, they could have killed a lot more too. And they're well, people are like, well, they, they only killed three. No, that's three individuals that. And their families and 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 our I don't know. Oh man. I Walter just, uh...
0: Walter in the chat room says that closed door is typical Obama transparency. You know what I figure I figure he says well it's transparent we told you who we were meeting with
1: yeah, right right.
0: I I don't remember. The
1: contents. uh.
0: I I don't know about these particular meetings. I think we would have heard something about it if Rand Paul had attended. But I remember there was some earlier meeting where he he was not invited. He wasn't allowed to be there. Imagine you have the senator, the senator who is the leading spokesperson for privacy in the entire Congress, House or Senate. Yes. He he's awesome. Yeah. Whatever on that, you think, he's very of, good. you know, I, I I have. He's
1: good and bad, but on that he's excellent.
0: I have I have some hope for Rand Paul. I have more hope for Ted Cruz. But Rand Paul is excellent on private. The problem
1: with Rand Paul is Ron Paul. But, yeah.
0: yeah. And and Rand Paul has even identified, although I don't know that he fully understands the legal issue, but he has explicitly discussed the third party he doctrine.
1: He interested and concerned, uh, and he's enough to you know, enough to talk about it. So, In a more so, articulate yeah, way. so
0: here's here's one of the most knowledgeable lawmakers on the Hill. He's right down the hall. You know, it's not like these executives have to fly over from Silicon Valley. Yep. He's right there. They don't invite him. Therefore, I I mean, if they don't invite Rand Paul to a meeting on privacy issues, well,
1: they're up to no good.
0: They have no credibility,
1: and he's up to no good. Clearly, Obama. What's oh, new? Oh yeah,
0: no. What, what's new exactly? You know. He likes to go on Jay Leno where he gets the hard questions. That's the thing. I mean, Obama is giving this presser right now. I have no idea what horrible things he's trying to put over on the American people as we speak. Feel free if you guys are able to multitask. I am not able to multitask Mm -hmm. at all. But if you have heard anything about what Obama is trying to put over on the American people at this particular moment, who knows?
1: There's a story on the right. Did you know that Matt Damon and Obama dated and now uh, Matt Damon says Obama broke up with me? There's, there's a story on the right, that's all. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. If you recall, he was a uh, uh, – you know what? I mean, think about it. Matt Damon, to be critical of Obama, he's not leftist enough. So what does that say about Matt Damon? That's yeah. all you got to know about Matt Damon, and that's all you got to know about his movie. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Um. The story here at Politico says that Obama has promised more public debate about the country's counterterrorism policies and privacy safeguards amid a deluge of criticism about the NSA's controversial. Public sor- debate? Yeah, public debate. Then what it does that says mean? Then it says, as the steady stream of revelations continues, however, the White House has chosen to meet quietly with tech executives and consumer groups behind closed doors.
1: Yeah. Dealing with our privacy.
0: Hypocrites and liars. Hypocrites and liars. Now, this is where you start to wonder what's going on over Politico, right? Because I have seen Politico now starting to be somewhat critical of Obama. Why do you think, to not...
1: as always, why do you think, seriously? Well,
0: that's where the tide's turn. If he goes
1: down, they're like, well, we were critical bottom him once. You saw that one article, right?
0: Right, right. But as I said, right, the headline here is clearly appealing yeah, to the authority of Apple. No
1: doubt about it. They and, have more they have more authority than Obama. They know that.
0: So my guess is they have, that they have
1: more, more appeal. Well
0: right. And and so my guess is that the editor at Politico is still pro Obama.
1: Of of course. But, well, but
0: maybe some of liberate. the some of the writers are willing to entertain Criticizing.
1: I think they have to. Our dear dear leader. Or or, or or else they'll they'll be too obviously left. So they're like, look, we got to we got to get on him a little, and and we got to go on record to say if if he goes down, we got to say we were against him at times. We are. It's on the record. No doubt they do that because if they knew they can get away with completely, you know, glossing him up at every turn, they would. But they know that that's not the way it works. And And also they know that they got they got a real bad guy on their hands. They're like, damn, he's too. You know, he really got caught too many times here. You know, we knew he was no good, you know, no damn good from day one. But, man, he's not not supposed to get caught.
0: Next story here that we have is actually a little flashback
1: on the issue
0: of gag orders. And the flashback is back to, I think it's May of this year. Hmm. Hat tip for this story goes to Deborah Sloan, who's a a listener to the show. It says, uh, and this is from politifact.com, back from May of this year, Headline, Mitch McConnell says Health and Human Services, Department of Health and Human Services, put a gag order on insurers about the impact of Obamacare. And then the editor's note under this said that the item was initially published on PolitiFact on May 24th, 2013, as mostly false because they didn't have all the information. But then later, it is now cited as mostly true what Mitch McConnell says. Mitch McConnell says the Obama administration has created a culture of intimidation in Washington. One example is Obamacare. So I, you know, this makes you start to believe all the stories about, for instance, the CIA guys who were on the ground in Benghazi Mm. were intimidated and threatened even if they talked about what was going on in Benghazi. Um, you know, that our government is using tactics of intimidation, gag orders, and telling insurance companies that they cannot disclose that the price increases in insurance premiums are due to Obamacare. That is just another example. So, yeah, this is a, like I said, flashback to May 2013. Our government deals in gag orders all the time. Let me just read to you from an email that I got today from one of these uh, health insurance companies that is you know trying to ease you into the transition of Obamacare Uh, It's got this whole Q&A you know about do you want to switch to an Affordable Care Act plan? And what would it mean and all this stuff? So the question is Could I save money by switching to an Affordable Care Act plan? Answer this is unclear based on information we are seeing so far Comparable Affordable Care Act plans will cost many of our current members more than their current plan. There are exceptions, especially if you qualify for low-income subsidies. Good luck. I would say, in particular, if you live in California, if you live in California and you earn a living wage in California, you probably make too much to get any sort of a subsidy. And as I I went to one of these calculators, they have the this little calculator where you could see whether you would get a subsidy or something. And I think that they're anticipating that you could spend up to 9.5% of your income on health insurance. And that is just to buy a policy that covers only 70% of your health expenses. You could imagine Maybe spending 9% of your budget on the health care itself. Yeah. But to spend 9% on health insurance and then spend more on exactly health care exactly. because it doesn't cover everything, it is going to get so insanely expensive. I mean, you thought, you thought health care was a big part of GDP before. It's going to be huge.
1: Well, the service will be, will, will be better and it's –
0: oh yeah the service you'll get so much value for your money but yeah so this is the sort of thing that insurance companies have to tell you they can't tell you that it's because of the legislation but they are at least coming out and saying well it's not clear that you're going to save any money in fact you're probably going to pay more and then they say well we'll help you compare plans and see if you qualify for discounts and blah 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 blah." but uh you know the the other thing that i didn't know which is that, you know, they talk about, oh, if you have a plan that you like, you can keep it. That is limited. That is very limited. The thing that I read today says that the only way that you might be able to keep your current plan, if you are individually insured, that you might, is if you got your plan before 2010. Mm -hmm. If you purchased your plan after 2010, the government might let you keep it for an entire year of 2014. You could actually, they're so generous, they'll let you keep the plan that you like. So, you know, what's the point? Maybe some of you are thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get into a plan that I really like right now. Or think about the poor people who were dumped out of Aetna, right? Aetna in California announced weeks ago that after the end of this year it's no longer offering individual insurance in California so imagine you've gotten dumped by Aetna then you decide okay I'm going to scramble I'm going to find another insurer that's insuring individuals in California I want to get just a regular private insurance plan I don't want to go into these exchanges and blah 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 even if you go to all that trouble You fill out the application. You have the health interview, all the stuff they make you do. You're going to be able to keep it only till the end of 2014. They should have put like this – you know, when Obama, they give those – he gave those speeches to all those people and said, hey, you like your plan? You can keep your plan. They should have put that huge asterisk (laughs) thing over. Can we we do – okay, this is the graphic I want to commission. I want to have like Obama-Pelosi read. And they're that's all that's saying, that's you know, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan, if you like your job, right? And they just put, like, asterisks over their faces yeah. or something. I don't know. Because you can't. No. As far as I know, unless you signed up for your plan before 2010, I think March 2000, I can't remember the exact month.
1: Yeah, March. Wait.
0: Sometime in 2010. That's when they passed it. Right, yeah. right. Um, and you qualify for other because it's, it's it's not even guaranteed that if you sign up for there's there's some qualification about that even then you can maybe keep your plan maybe keep your plan it is such such a lie and we are all just going to be raped why so that we can pay subsidies to all of these other people to get insurance that isn't worth the paper it's written on mm-hmm. most of the cost of all this insurance is paying for the government bureaucracy that is mandating this. So um I got off on this. Why? Because of the gag order issue, I mean, right? It's the gag order issue that I was again, this, hoping to focus this on here.
1: Obamacare was never about anything else except expanding government to a point where you cannot roll it back really. That was the goal. Once they're in they they figure okay, America's done. I did my job as Barack Obama, anti American, I did my job. We can never it can never be rolled back again. And that's that was that was the goal and uh, it looks like, as far as he's concerned, he may have achieved it, unless we got some fighters on the right. We'll see.
0: Robert NYC in the chat room says, he says, I guess starting off the show with good news didn't last too long. Not enough good stuff going on out there. I have a little bit of good stuff that I've got for later in the show, and we're definitely going to have some good stuff going on. Cultural in snapshots
1: the... we'll do maybe again. Yeah, yeah we're going
0: just... we're, we're to have to do that. Yeah. Ed in the chat room is reminding us. He says, remember what I said last week? we don't need a president who is 100% good. 60% good sure. could save civilization.
1: I mean, look, if you got r- yeah. Rand Paul or Obama today, it's not even a question. Regardless of whatever criticism I have against Rand Paul, it's not a question. Of course you take Rand Paul, but, uh, you know, that's about it really.
0: They say Obama is headed to Martha's Vineyard soon, and Walter uh, – that's Waldo who – Put that comment, and then Walter in the chat room says, "The longer that Obama stays in Martha's Vineyard, the less harm he will do the country." Of course,
1: that, that's yeah. why when people you know criticize his, vac- his vacations, please, oh, I mean, being a three and a half year vacation, do it, please.
0: <laughs> we should have a, a, a fund like a Kickstarter,
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right.
0: Barack Obama's vacation fund, right?
1: Yep. But he'd require <sighs> a few hundred million dollars. The way he travels, and the way yeah, so a few hundred million.
0: I know, but think about people who would save so much more money because he wouldn't be legislating right. more. But, you know, this is the thing. I think Holder, Eric Holder's on autopilot, right. and he is doing so much harm. One of the things I talked about on Tammy Bruce's show yesterday was just the sheer amount of government intervention going on right now. And there's a new move to desegregate neighborhoods via a whole bunch of tweaking of various types of policies. The Justice Department is going after um, the people who do the payday lending, like the people who help administrate the payback of the loans to the payday lenders and stuff. The Justice Department is up, up to no good. Yep. And you know he's got his orders, and he goes off. So Obama goes on vacation, and people like Holder still destroy the country while yep. Obama exactly is relaxing.
1: Right, right. right. They have their marching orders, you know, but which doesn't have to really be explicit about it because they're on uh, they're on the same you know same wavelength.
0: They want to send Obama to Kenya.
1: Now you know Kenya is homeland. I mean no, that's what Michelle, no, Obama, Michelle Obama said. said. His said homeland, homeland of, of Kenya, it's like, homeland. I, I guess she's a birther too.
0: That means he'll feel at home when he's there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, for the record, again, I I will say, 1991 for this uh, uh, author biography in a, in a in a publisher, Obama supposedly wrote down that he was born in, in Kenya. So he's the he's the first birther. Just for the record. And they say authors sometimes almost always look at the thing before it goes to print. So you know, he said, you know what I mean? He allowed it to go through or he said it.
0: Well, or he could have been smoking pot and too yeah, lazy to actually true. look it that's over. It's, it's possible, right?
1: So can you take a look at it as well? I'm stoned. Can you? Yeah.
0: I've such, got such a good – oh, can, can you take a good le- – oh, That's bad. Bad. Yeah. bad. You know, I forgot to uh, tell Robert that we actually do have a piece of good news coming up here in one minute, which uh, first, before we get into that, I just have to mention on the topic of gag orders, on the topic of gag orders, We have uh, John Allison. Everybody should remember that if you get John Allison's book, The Financial Crisis and the Free Market Cure, one of the things he talks about in his book is how the banks, the financial institutions that were forced to take the TARP bailouts, they were not allowed to talk about the fact that they were forced to take it. They weren't allowed to say, hey, you know, uh, we don't really need this. We are adequately capitalized. We don't need a bailout.
1: They're not allowed to mention that. There was something else recently. I don't know if you were telling me a story. Where some other industries, some individuals were not allowed to say something in their favor because the government did not allow them to do it. It's just, it's unbelievable. They're they're constantly up to no good. I mean, it's like they know that they're evil because they have to lie about it. But yeah, they were not allowed to say it because it's in their favor and it makes the government, quote, unquote, look bad. I mean, it's just incredible.
0: Here is the piece of good news though, right? Because it's true, the government is doing gag orders all over the place. But I was turned on to this story uh, by Chip Choice over at, at Facebook. He told me about this today, so hat tip to him. This is from Cato. And the, the I guess I guess the blog is called Cato at Liberty. And the headline, August ninth, is Cato makes Dick Durbin's Enemies List. Tell me what you know and love about Dick Durbin.
1: Dick Turbin, by the way.
0: Oh, Turbin. Turbin. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry.
1: I'm joking. But <laughs> I is, know. He, uh, just one thing I remember from years ago in the early 2000s, uh, he referred to our soldiers. Basically, he suggested our soldiers were like Nazis hmm. because they were in the middle of the night going and taking out these people. And she goes, if you didn't know better, you'd think these are Nazis. These are gulags in, 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 in the Soviet Russia. So that's what I know about him. He's, he's a bad guy, piece of crap leftist.
0: So I think you will appreciate John Allison standing up to Dick Turbin, as you call him. Here's the, the story written by Ilya Shapiro over at Cato. As reported on the Wall Street Journal's editorial page and picked up by the Chicago Tribune, among many others, Senator Dick Durbin has been sending out letters to anyone he has determined to have funded the American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC, since 2005. He wants to know these supporters' positions on the so-called stand-your-ground laws, which ALEC, which is a group of state legislators pushing center-right reform ideas, advocated around the country. So ALEC advocated the stand-your-ground laws. Dick Durbin says, I got to know who is contributing to this.
1: Once, like, Ed, Ed says that Turbin is a rush limboism. He started – I doubt it because the rush does sometimes adopt certain things without giving, giving credit. He has done it in the past, so I doubt that's true, but – because, you know, that, that was an obvious term, you know, Dick, Dick Turbin. It was obvious, but I guess Rush's popularity, that's why it seemed like he's when one who started But he doesn't give credit sometimes, which, which is not good. That's why, I, that's one of the reasons I can't listen, but go on.
0: Um, after Trayvon Martin was killed in Florida, which had passed a stand-your-ground law before Alex started pitching its model legislation.
1: Sorry, he lit- was hunted and murdered. According to left. Sorry.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. So sorry. 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 Yeah, I, I, I should, you know. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, liberal activists pressured Alex corporate donors to cut their ties with the group. And then, of course, Ilya Shapiro writes in here, never mind the fact that Stand Your Ground did not play a role in George Zimmerman's trial for Martin's death. But then it says this is partly why ALEC closed its task forces on non-economic issues because they were getting this pressure. It says Durbin Durban smelled blood in the water and continuing his rampage against corporate political speech, um, he says, is now seeking to shame anyone ever associated with ALEC. And then they say that includes Cato. It says earlier this week we received a letter from Durbin asking two questions, and here's the two questions. One was, has Cato Institute served as a member of ALEC or provided any funding to ALEC in 2013? Second, does Cato Institute support the Stand Your Ground legislation that was adopted as a national model and promoted by ALEC? And then it says, and by the way, Durbin wants recipients of the polite inquiry to know, quote, this is from Durban. quote, I plan to convene a hearing of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Human Rights to examine Stand Your Ground laws, and I intend to include the responses to my letters in the hearing record. Therefore, please know that your response will be publicly available, end quote. So don't feel too intimidated, people who I'm asking this about, you know, do you support Stand Your Ground laws? Now, mind you, Cato is a private nonprofit. He sent this not just to nonprofits like Cato, but to companies, any company that contributed money to Alex. So imagine, you know, you are a company that is concerned just to sell products out there, but you might also want to make donations and stuff. Anyway. Um, you would get intimidated. And the great thing is that John Allison, who's the head of Cato, and he was the head of BB&T, he did not let himself get intimidated by government as the head of BB&T. He does not let himself get intimidated here at all. Here is the letter that he wrote to Senator Durbin, and this, Robert NYC, is your good news. It is John Allison standing up to Cato. He says, Dear Senator Durbin, Your letter of August 6, 2013, is an obvious effort to intimidate those organizations and individuals who may have been involved in any way with the American Legislative Exchange Council. While Cato is not intimidated because we are a think tank, whose express mission is to speak publicly to influence the climate of ideas, from my experience as a private sector CEO, I know that business leaders will now hesitate to exercise their constitutional rights for fear of regulatory retribution. Your letter thus represents a blatant violation of our First Amendment rights of freedom of speech and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. It is a continuation of the trend of the current administration and congressional leaders. This is where it gets really cool. Listen to this. Congressional leaders such as yourself to menace those who do not share your political beliefs as evidenced by the multiple IRS abuses that have recently been exposed Woo-hoo. Yep. He says, your actions are a subtle but powerful form of government coercion. We would be glad to provide a Cato scholar to testify at your hearing to discuss the unconstitutional abuse of power that your letter symbolizes. Sincerely, John Allison. Now, it. if you're not clapping right now, I mean, I'm not clapping because I'm – okay, there we go. <laughs> um, Bravo to John Allison. I think that is the best news that I've seen this week. And Robert, let me know if if you agree. This is awesome.
1: Yeah. Very well put.
0: Every time, every time that government initiates force against its people, in particular when government initiates force against people such that it interferes with freedom of speech, we have to stand up and say something about it. Freedom of speech is it, right? Ayn Rand said that is really the litmus test. If you do not have the ability to speak freely, you do not have the ability to change the culture within the system. Once free speech is gone… You're at the stage of armed revolution, that's it. Absolutely. Now our free speech is not gone in this country. It's not time. Uh it's you not know, fully for...
1: protected or defended either, but no. we still have it to an extent. We we still have
0: it. We still have it to a large extent, right? right. I'm I'm here on this show right now talking about the, the jerks in power, but anyway, bravo. Bravo for John Allison. One of the one awesome. of the fun one of the fun things that uh It's Ilya, and I'm trying to remember the last name. I have to scroll up to the top to get the last name of the author again. Ilya Shapiro over at Cato says in here is um, that, you know, as John said, Cato's in the business of speaking truth to power. The more and better we do it, the more we advance liberty and the more our donors like us. So playing pen pal with crusading senators is par for the course. He yeah. says, but what about those who don't have Cato's mission or independence, whose livelihood depends on being in the good graces of a regulator who understands the way political winds blow? And then it says, paren, heck, we're all beholden to the IRS. And she, she writes, I apologize, honey, if we get audited next year. <laughs> yeah. But But really, you know. That's the kind of stuff that you're scared of under the Obama administration. And that's
1: also the kind of thing that rattles uh, a rat bastard like um, Turban. It rattles him. This because he's like uh, he doesn't want to be seen as what he's doing. He doesn't want to be exposed as being what what he is. You mean?
0: You know, there's one thing that I would have put in this letter that John Allison wrote. There's one thing, Um,
1: something something like
0: something like like, P.S. I hope you will keep good on your promise to make this part of the public record right. or something like that, yeah. you know? I hope that... Because but, that, that, but obviously, that, would, that
1: would rattle them. Oh, that would be, that would be great. Because if you've got a, an articulate spokesman of Cato there to challenge him in front of everyone, to discredit him, that's what they're afraid of because they want to... They're rats. They know they're rats. They don't want to be exposed as such. This, and uh, this th- is that's why. You fight them. Yeah. And that's that's what Allison just showed us right now about what the, what the, the three Republicans are doing you got to fight Obamacare. It doesn't matter if people – well, it might not happen. That's not a point. You fight, 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 and yeah. then you win sometimes, especially against these guys.
0: Well, right. And, this and big wins. Is, and and this is why Obama doesn't invite Senator Rand Paul Absolutely. to his closed-door meetings on privacy. He's a challenge. Because Rand Paul challenges
1: and too he may, effectively. And he may
0: even flip some
1: people in that meeting. Yeah. He's like, you know what? He's got a good point, and Obama can't have that, and he needs drones. That's what he needs.
0: This, you know, he needs yes-men surrounding him at all times. This is Amy Peekoff. This is starting now, the second hour of Don't Let It Go Unheard. Sitting here with me in the studio is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. We have been talking about a number of issues. We started with Snowden's email server shrugging, going out of business, along with another private email service, completely shutting doors and destroying their servers in order to avoid turning over your private information to the government. So bravo to them. And then we got on to a series of stories about gag orders and ended up, just now, congratulating John Allison for standing up to Dick Durbin. I have a phone call, so I want to go ahead and take it right now. Hi, who's this?
2: Hi, Amy and uh, Bosh. This is Dan Harris. How are you guys doing?
0: Good. Thank you for calling. What what would you like to talk about?
2: Um, Well, I have a couple of comments regarding the current story you're covering, and then uh, if we have time, I'd like to... Discuss
0: Bosch's pigman. That's okay. We it's could right. do a little bit of that too. I'm, sure. I, you know, Bosch hates talking about pigman. Oh, it's yeah. just, it's torture. Is oh. <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that,
2: okay, I'm, well, I'm I'll lead sarcastic. off of that one first, then when's the next <laughs> one coming out? I only got, I got through number two, and, <laughs> I, and I, I don't
1: waiting. know, I don't know. Um, and there's a number of reasons why, which I can't really, I can't really talk about, but uh, okay. it will eventually come out. I promise. I mean, I, I love this story. And uh, it has about six or seven issues. Yeah, and you know, I I do intend as as my dream, when it's all said and done, six or seven issues, collect them all in a, a pigskin leather-bound hardcover book. That's no joke. That's I've always had in mind. And, you know, and people. That's
0: outstanding.
1: <laughs> and make it clear on the cover that it's pigskin leather.
0: You know, there's um there's a a big project right now that we're kind of waiting on to see what ha- and it You know. Everything works so slow in the in the world of publishing and stuff. But if if a project materializes, it, it, it'll it'll be important enough to to take him away from Pigman for a while. If for some reason it doesn't happen, and there's all kinds of reasons that projects don't happen in the world, things just fall through. Maybe he needs to do a Kickstarter to maybe. finish that Pigman because as as it stands, you know, it's it's hard to be able to take the time away from commissions and stuff, you know, financially to to work because he puts so much. Time and effort into that project. Anyway. Um,
1: well, well uh, thanks okay. for asking. Well, that's good I, I background. Thank you. I, I do appreciate the interest, believe me.
0: So, you, did you have a comment on Durbin and, and Cato? Um, well, Cato's
2: uh, Allison response was excellent. I, I didn't actually hear that. So, I'm really glad somebody of uh, Reason is actually publishing something that some people might read uh, in a large audience. From, and someone from someone like him, too. It's just, I was glad to hear that. But no, the two comments. I was with regards to um the uh how they're trying to you know gag people with these gag orders and mm-hmm. I'm trying to integrate a lot of you know what the government's doing trying to make sense to me because I have some experience with classified secret yes information and and how the government views that and how they legally go about classifying things and in their perspective it's pretty simple uh the concept the concept is that they own the information that that's their information, so they have the right to go into contracts or or set up these classified, you know, um, clearances with individuals that they find documents and document that they're going to keep it secret because mm-hmm. they own it. And so a couple of comments is, th- in this particular case, they're saying that the that essentially the same thing. It may not be classified. It may just be these gag orders, but it seems like they they own this information. And because, you know, it's tied to these, businesses it's almost like they own this type, type of information that applies to this particular business
0: Okay wait wait so you're sense. you're you're speaking in vague terms so I'm kind of uh, what information okay. are you talking about are right in this particular um, situation Cause the the information well, that is generated out of Lavabit's recent in- interactions with the government is that the kind of thing that you're talking about the the right. it, the, the interactions between Lavabit and the government
2: Right, the government when they do the closed door interviews with the techies to try to I'm assuming uh to oh, get oh, that our information. Stuff,
0: that stuff, yeah, yeah.
2: to, to get um, I think our information, the,
0: right. The um the, the closed door uh you know meetings that they're having right now, as far as I can tell, they're just a lot of feel good meetings. And it might okay. also be it might also be Obama giving a bunch of veiled threats to the companies. You know, basically saying, hey, you know, you better uh, do the stuff that we want. Otherwise, we have the power to regulate you out of business. Essentially, that's what he's saying. But okay. he wouldn't go, you know, say it. No. But I think it I don't think in the meetings themselves that they're asking for information. It's just like, Hey, you know, we're all friendly. Yeah. We all stand for privacy. Oh, you guys are really invading privacy for profit. You should feel bad about that. We're doing it for security. We're the good guys. Right. So I think that kind of stuff is going on in the meetings. I mean, I don't know. I'm just writing a script. Right. Um, (laughs) but, but, uh, you know, in terms of, Owning the information. I mean, I don't think you have to have a security clearance to go to the meetings. I would love if some of these guys yeah, turn yeah. around and, and, you know, and talk about the meetings. That would be great if we could we could hear it. But, you know, in, in terms of, like, for instance, let's go back to the LavaBit story. Government is telling LavaBit, we are going to initiate force against you and don't tell anyone. So, I mean, okay. the the, exa- the example that just came into my mind is somebody's abusing a child physically and saying, well, don't tell anybody, you know? I mean, that, that's about the relationship that you have in relation to the government today. Our government is so powerful. It's like they have as much power as a parent over their children, and then they're abusing you, and you're not supposed to tell anybody about it. That's about as helpless okay. as you would feel, you know? I, th- that's how I say and And so... You know you you could um the a situation like Snowden's is very different, right, because Snowden actually did enter in an, an, an into an agreement with a government agent, you know the the contractor. so Snowden did sign a pledge and say, "Hey, I'll keep the information secret in consideration for my job." Lavabit never made any agreement with the government over any of this. They should be able to talk no matter what snowden Snowden broke his agreement. But he made the decision that it is more important to tell the American people about what's going on than it is for me to keep my agreement, and I'm willing to a certain extent to accept the consequences, which unfortunately for him mean living in Russia and buddying around with Putin, you know?
2: <laughs> okay. That sort of leads into my second comment, which is, you know, since these these companies didn't voluntarily sign anything like, like a – Uh, the clearances that Snowden had and that those types of individuals, um, why doesn't the third-party doctrine apply to the government? Like, it seems like those types of companies would be third-party. There should be no reasonable reason that the government should expect this stuff should stay secret.
0: Oh, yeah, but that means you think that the law applies to the government the same way that it applies to us, we little peon citizens, right? You know, the tiny little citizens. I'm I'm highlighting the
2: contradiction there, but yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. So, I, I, you know, it, I'm so pessimistic. I mean, what do you think this mesh net, this this privately arising wireless Internet that's out there, do you give it even a year to survive if it exists?
2: Well, the way the government's going, if they're saying they need everything, then um, I think they'll try to find a way to block all the doors.
0: Yeah, I think... I think so, too. So anything else, Dan, before we let you go?
2: Well, I guess I do have one more thing, um, and this was sort of on my mind. I understand your position against uh, the certain Republicans saying that, you know, this thing, the Obamacare, switching to Obamacare now, and how mm-hmm. they're, like, going with it now because uh, they don't think it's – their efforts are going to stop anything. It's only going to hurt their image. Right. So – and I'm I'm sort of bringing back some conversations on past podcasts regarding uh, the objectiveness or not necessarily objective, but your position during the election on why you should vote for Romney and not for some third party because of principle space. And I'm wondering uh, what the distinction is there if you can sort of make that clear to me, like why why sure. it's okay I mean, to uh, you know apply to go with like Obama, someone like Romney who is just not at all lined up with your principles in a large extent, but is lit maybe a little bit more than Obama, just right. so you can have more time. And then these guys might be making the same argument where, uh, hey, we're just trying to buy more time by not getting voted out of office because people are going to hate us. This thing is going to happen anyway.
0: Right. Right. Um, I am going to go ahead and answer your question uh, while I put you on hold only because you've got noise there. I think it's a cell phone in a car or something. But thanks, Dan. And it's a well-posed question. Here's where I'm drawing a distinction. I'm drawing a distinction between someone saying, here's the limits of what we can actually do right now to further good or stop the bad, right, versus – Here's what we think we want to do to keep a good reputation with people so that we might win elections somewhere further down the road so people will like us, blah, 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 blah. Now, we were given a choice that was effectively pull the lever for Mitt Romney or pull the lever for Barack Obama. If you were gonna pull the lever for anybody else, it wasn't gonna do a damn thing at all. And the only way to stop Barack Obama we thought was by voting for Romney. Holding our nose, wanting to vomit, but vote for Romney, right? The fruitcake, I call them the fruitcake of candidates because nobody actually wants the fruitcake. They just <laughs> right, they keep passing it around, right? Um yuck. Romney was the candidate that everybody thought everybody else wanted, right. and nobody he would did. He was yeah.
1: electable without being electable. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Leonard had the best uh, best comparison between the two. He called uh, Romney a non-entity and Obama an anti-entity. Yes. It was it was brilliant. Yeah. And uh, Romney is uh, what was it? President? Uh, President? A precedent? Okay. Romney was a precedented threat, and Obama was an unprecedented threat. Yes. This is brilliant. So.
0: You vote, you vote, you do what you can, right? Now, in this
1: Romney will have done less damage. That's the whole thing, just to hold on a little longer.
0: Yeah. And in the current situation, as I understand it, uh, you know, Ted Cruz talks about the history of entitlement programs. If this entitlement program kicks in, it likely will never be unraveled, not without a huge messy, horrible fight. The only way to stop it is stop it before it kicks in. And as I understand it, there is actually a politically viable way, and and I mean politically in terms of within the political structure of the Congress, that they could actually stop the funding of this thing, stop it from being implemented by halting both the discretionary and the mandatory spending that they could actually stop this thing. Okay, it is achievable. This is something they can do in the way that the House and the Senate One are second. set up right now.
1: They can do it. He said something I think on Tammy's show yesterday about the fact that the Democrats were in lockstep for Obamacare. Yeah. Look at the Republicans against Obamacare. Oh, I know. You know, there's only a few guys, maybe a dozen in the Senate. If they were in lockstep, there's,
0: there's 13 right know, now. Okay, at last 13. I counted, yeah, 13. If they're in
1: lockstep. They could do this and they could bring shockwaves across the uh, political world. So what yeah. the hell? They actually have the power? We have the power. We they have the power. Just won't do it. We have the power to end jihad this week. We just don't do it. It's not about, you know, power. We have the power. It's it, it's the will and the lack of it.
0: Yeah. So what Ted Cruz is saying is that there is actually a way, a mechanism by which Obamacare can be stopped. Something concrete that would do good. It, would actually, it, could, it could actually happen. Yeah. Now, what people are saying is, well, don't actually do the thing that you can get done <laughs> because it's going to make people mad.
1: They are using that as a reason. Again, that's sick.
0: It's going to destroy These our are... reputation. And, and what I'm saying is that if stopping Obamacare makes... Everybody mad, such now, that the GOP loses, we are way worse yes. off than we thought. And then
1: we know that, then that's a value also because we know how far, how, how far beyond, you know, beyond we are. But also, this, uh, what were you we saying, Doll, was uh, uh, something? Um,
0: the, the idea of wanting to see some politician actually fighting in a principled way for a good outcome. Yeah. yeah? And
1: to influence and inspire the others to come behind him. I mean, yeah. Ted Cruz, I think, has the, has the capability to bring these guys behind him because he's leading this. He's the most articulate voice. He's the most principled voice. And, you know, it, 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 they have this mentality, the Republicans. It's a lose-lose mentality. They just feel like they're just comfortable right now. and They don't want to, you know, rock the boat as if the boat hasn't been destroyed yet. It's destroyed.
0: No, it, I, and that's the thing. I, I would think that if this fails, first of all, I mean, that's a really sad, horrible thing to say, but if Suppose it succeeds, that so they actually stop Obamacare from being funded. Yeah. That would be really nice. It yeah. buys a little bit of time because, yeah. again, once the entitlement kicks in, once the entitlement kicks in, it's going to be really hard to unravel. And, it. and there's
1: nothing like something working like that to inspire people. I mean, right now, Obama is inspiring al-Qaeda by closing all those embassies. He's inspiring them. That's a fact. He's running. And they're recruiting more people now. If if they actually pull this off and they vote this down and they actually defund Obamacare, it will inspire a lot of people outside of politics to start looking at politics and say, Wait a minute, if things could happen. Next midterms, who knows? All newcomers come in there. You know, Tea Party activists.
0: Okay, we're having some kind of funky um like racist comment in the chat room
1: Uh, for the record um uh, someone referred to uh ted cruz as a racist the old day why because they can't make an argument against him you know ted Ted cruz racist where's that come from i have no idea it's just stupid desperate Um,
0: yeah don't don't make a racist comment in my chat room over at blog talk radio i will kick you out which i think i just managed to do if i click the right button i'm not sure. sure Anyway, um, yeah. So I am behind Ted Cruz's uh, effort to defund it. Why? Because if uh, first of all, it has a chance of actually achieving a real result. This is right. not one of those situations exactly. where you know. I mean, Pine
3: Paul sky, Paul, right? Paul
0: Ryan talked about, well, I voted for this piece of legislation. It was very mixed, but it's all we can Paul achieve right now. You say, okay, well, I understand why you would support the thing that's all you can achieve right now.
1: Paul Ryan's a politician through and through. Cruz is a, is a, is a statesman. It's a big difference.
0: Yeah, but what. Ted Cruz is saying is, look, this actual good thing, this one discreet good thing, is something that we could actually do right now. We could achieve it. And the downside that everybody else is saying is, oh, you'll just make everybody mad at it. <laughs> I mean, it. look,
1: sorry, you know, you'll make people angry. You know, these people are angry. We'll make them angrier, and that's what you want. Then they start revealing themselves and they start showing themselves what they are, and people start getting turned up by that. What the hell are these guys talking about? You know When the left comes out nakedly, people are really turned off by it.
0: I just I feel like somebody comes up to me and they say, I'm going to chop off your arm. And then I <laughs> want to fight them from chopping off my arm. And then they say, no, don't fight them from chopping they'll off your angry. arm because people will be mad at you. And
1: they'll chop off your other arm. <laughs> if you do that, they'll chop off your leg. No, but to be motivated by someone else's anger or lack of anger or any kind of emotion – this is just cowardice. It's a rationale to do nothing. They're cowards.
0: But they just they just want to be popular and win elections. This is the thing that's really making me upset. So we could actually go into our next story can now. I, can
1: I say some, one follow-up about sure, sure, uh, Dan sure, when he asked me about the book? Yeah. Um, um, State of Defiance asked me if it'll be available on Amazon. I hope it is. Uh, two of my books are available on Amazon: Table for One and Propaganda: Drawing the Line Against Jihad. And uh, just a, sh- a little short about about what the infidel is or now. Sure. Two brothers, post 9-11, twin brothers, Albanian background, Muslim background. Uh, one becomes a born-again Muslim. One uh, becomes a recovered Muslim. And uh, the, the uh, recovered Muslim creates a combo called Pigman. It's an ex-Muslim who witnesses 9-11 uh, live as, as it's happening, the, the horror, and later on becomes Pigman. He wears pigskin leather and fights jihad. And then he comes across an enemy called Super Jihad. So it's a battle between, uh, you know, good and evil in an interesting way post 9-11. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I felt it had to do with my background. And that's all. I just want to let just, – just for people in who may not know, it's available on Comixology, which is the digital comic book reading app in the world. And uh, I was surprised that they actually accepted it, but, but they did. So.
0: And it looks really good on Comixology.
1: It looks fantastic. So if
0: you have an iPad or anything, you can, e- you can even read the comic on an iPhone the yeah, way that it's laid exactly. out. It's really kind of cool.
1: It's called The Infidel, and it features Pigman. So it's called The Infidel, featuring Pigman. And uh, if you're interested, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it.
0: If anybody else wants to call in and chime in on some of the issues we've been talking about today, it's 760 888 5817 That's the number to call. 760-888-5817. Let's go on. Speaking of Republicans that make you go, (sighs) Chris Christie. Woohoo. The story that I was talking about yesterday on Tammy's show about Chris Christie was the fact that the last two Rasmussen polls show Chris Christie as the leading GOP 2016 candidate among Republicans,
1: but uh, one that also they're most worried about winning. So that's it's, it's a strange poll. One that they're most worried about him, and he'll be the most worried about winning. They have the most negatives. Wow! But Republicans, I guess, because again, he's he's visible. You know, I mean, you can see him even if he's not on TV. Just you know, <laughs> no, but he's you can see him anywhere, everywhere. He's all over the place. He's someone, so big. someone,
0: someone made a joke. This is a, I mean, I, I don't, I don't do these jokes, but this one was very clever. It was that usually a GPS service or whatever GPS can't make out a human form,
1: but they can always track
0: Chris <laughs> Christie on GPS. Right.
1: Very look, bad look, stuff. Look uh, about about Chris, Chris Chris Krispy Kreme, okay? Yeah, Martin um, Mark yeah. calls me. I called him years also. he, um, someone you know, some someone said, uh, well, I think we should criticize him on his substance. I'm like, what what substance? This guy is pro-Islam. He's pro-big government. He's pro, you know, he's a global warming freak. Yeah. He is uh, he's wrong on every major issue, but he we saw him on those videos against the unions, the teacher unions. He was like taking it to them, to those old women. He was really taking it in their face. He's an absolute political hack, and he just did something. You know, they say that. Well, did you read the story already, the, the title or not?
0: No, I didn't okay. read the headline of this one. So here's another one that makes you love Chris Christie. I'm being sarcastic here. Chris Christie signs 10 gun bills into law. Not just one. You know, one's for wimps. I thought, it's like, it's like now I, I'm going to start making the jokes, right? You know, it's like, yeah, eat one hamburger. No, thought, why don't I eat 10? I thought he was why? against,
1: wait, I thought he was against gut control. Oh,
0: you're so oh, bad. Oh, sorry. Oh,
1: gun control. Gut, I, thought, yeah, gut, I thought it was gut control. Yeah, sorry. yeah,
0: yeah. Sorry. Uh, s- By the way,
1: State Defiance says, in Texas, we call gun control using two hands. That's fine. <laughs> Good.
0: I like it. I definitely like it. Chris Christie signs 10 of these monstrosities into law. Here's the story. The story is at Free... He said, I'll take 10. Yeah, freebeacon.com. New Jersey Republican Governor Chris Christie signed 10 pieces of gun legislation into law Thursday. Christie, widely seen as a probable GOP candidate for president in 2016, I'm waiting for the debates. Oh, I think yeah. Ted Cruz will wash the floor with this guy yes. in debates. If he goes. Um, I think that if Christie is in a debate, I'm predicting now. I'm predicting now. I, I don't know. I can't believe I'm making prognostications <laughs> about people's political activity. Right. I never thought I would be a political commentator. Right. But I could just see Chris Christie using argument from intimidation.
1: Absolutely,
0: He would use what? If, you, if you want to look this up, go look it up online. Ayn Rand and then... Put in argument from intimidation and then go see what the Ayn Rand lexicon gives you on that because you'll get to see what that is. But I could see Christie doing that all over the place. He is going to be horrible in debates. I don't know. He's a
1: populist. If if argument from
0: intimidation wins, then I guess he's going to win. But that's exactly what I see him doing. Anyway, it says he signed off on the slate of bills, most of which were non-controversial, while leaving five more contentious bills still awaiting his signature or veto. That means there's five more. There's 15 total. One of the new laws will disqualify any person on the federal terrorist watch list from obtaining firearms identification cards or permits to purchase handguns. It says, quote, to the extent that this bill will keep guns out of hands of known terrorists or those who, who, have, who have taken active steps to support terrorist activities, my signature on this bill represents my commitment to keep the citizens of New Jersey safe, end quote, said, New Jersey, uh, well, said Christie.
1: Well, he's doing this for national reasons. Yeah. He's doing it for national reasons.
0: Our diligence against terrorism must never fade. Only a couple problems here, right? Uh, one problem is, as far as I understand, the terrorist watch list is secret, yeah. This article here says uh, that civil liberties advocates have criticized the watch list for its secrecy. The list is not public, nor nor can one petition to have his name removed from it. Mm. So suppose, I mean, you know, government, yeah. never, government never makes mistakes, no, no, no. never makes mistakes, right? But suppose your name was erroneously put on it, or suppose your name was put on it purposefully, but for a bad reason. No. You'd like to be able to petition... The government to have your name removed from the watch list so that you could exercise your Second Amendment right to purchase a gun. You can't do that. So in New Jersey, if your name is on the watch list, you're out of luck. You have to move if you would like to exercise your Second Amendment right. Thanks to Chris Christie, who is, as we said earlier, according to recent Rasmussen polls, the leading candidate for GOP right now.
1: He's not going to run for president. He, yeah, I know he's gonna, he's gonna, walk. gonna waddle. No, it. he's gonna waddle. Oh,
0: he's gonna waddle. That. Okay, okay, that's the new part. All right. <laughs> um, again,
1: uh, once I lose respect for someone, as I told someone on Twitter, it's over. I mean, I, I, I know, he is. He's a, Again, he wants. He wants to. He's, you know, he's uh, hungry for power. I mean, so that's all he wants. I mean, just power, power, power. That's what he is. And you know, what? I think he's. Uh, I think he looked at the at the nature of the government in, in 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 new jersey in fact it's a democrat a Democrat Democrat, Democrat. so he says let me be a contrarian let me go republican they'll get sick of democrats i'll get in i'll pretend i'm a republican and then i'll go you know left and this is this is what i do
0: it's let's, possible let's let's go ahead and take a call here someone's got the questions icon flashing hi who's this hi this is ed you remember me hi ed how are you
3: hey, oh good yeah i you know gun control is my hobby horse, so i <clears throat> Excuse me, thought I would call in and
0: Well this this is be great because it, you're uh, you're you're gonna spare me quoting you from uh the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook because you made an excellent <laughs> remark there that I wanted to go ahead and give you credit for. So you can do it in person. This is awesome.
3: Excellent. Well um the terrorist watch list is mostly foreigners which who can't buy guns in the United States and and um it's not clear how many Americans who live in America are are on the list. But um, the purpose of this law is not to keep terrorists from getting guns. The purpose of the law is to do a trial balloon to see whether they can get away with um, putting people on a you know no gun list administratively without any legal process whatsoever. Uh, obviously, if you're going to lose your rights, you should lose them of a judge and a jury. But they want to be able to do this uh, administratively. And I think, you know, they've called uh, gun rights supporters, NRA members, tea partiers uh, terrorists. And official government documents have said this. You know, look out for right. domestic terrorists. You can see them because, you know, they have an NRA sticker on their car, like yeah. I do. Or, um, you know, uh, they haven't gone quite far as to say the, uh, the Ayn, Ayn Rand uh, uh, license plate holder, which I have, Um be, uh, to be looked at on terrorists, but they have put forward documents like this and used to say that they can't put, uh, you know, all four million, five million NRA members on this terrorist watch yeah, list I mean, because you know, they support. This, they, support this, they support. You know.
0: Okay. You know? uh, I was, okay, uh, was going to say this. This article that I have here says that the list is secret, and I assume that the criteria for being put on the list are just as secret. So how in the world do you know whether you would wind up on this list?
3: Exactly. And if you look at the other bills that were signed, the article you linked to didn't have them detailed, but I found another article that did. <clears throat> They're all nonsense. You're uh, starting to break to... up,
0: Ed. Ed, do you, are, Did you do something funky with your microphone? Because you're starting to break up. I don't know if you can... Um, I'm sorry. Am I clear now?
3: You're clearer uh, yes. now.
0: It's, yes, it's a so little better. I apologize. Better.
3: I'm, I'm using Skype, uh, so I'm hard, it's hard to, uh, hard to tell. Do you uh, want... Anything...
0: Do you... Do you, want to, do you want to try to call back again in a second and see if you can get a better connection? Sure, absolutely. Okay, because it's really breaking up. I'm sorry about that. But, yeah, go ahead and try again, um, and then we'll get you right back on, Ed. That would be wonderful. Um, yeah, we like to have as good radio as, as oh, we can. Yeah. Pod- Skype is usually offering a great connection, yep. so who knows? It's, it's those NSA peeps in there. They're <laughs> messing right. with, with our connection. So that would be good because he's going to tell us about some of the other pieces of legislation. This one in particular – uh, you know, kinda got my attention here, this one that says, Look, you could be on this list. It's a secret list. You can't petition to have your name taken off the list. You don't know what would get you on the list in the first place. I mean what we do know is that if you are Googling what was it, pressure cookers mm-hmm. and the Boston bombing and something right. else or whatever, you will have federal agents come okay. to your house. Yep. So who knows what would be. Unless get you're on...
1: Muslim. Yeah. Unless you're Muslim.
0: Mm-hmm. Well and and Bosch, haven't you had You've had Department of Homeland yeah. Security at your website yeah. multiple times. Multiple you, times. you, you might be on a list.
1: I've had four or five different IP numbers, which I put aside just to make sure you know. Just it's on the record, and they they were regulars, so whether they were fans or you or you know, of course I think the worst, but you never know, could be some fans. I doubt it though.
0: It'd be great if you have fans among the Department that would, of Homeland that would be Security. Great. One thing that I would definitely like to ask Ed uh, before you go on Ed um, to the other pieces of legislation. I want to know yeah. if you think that there there are going to be any lawsuits challenging this, you know, that people who are being prevented from exercising their Second Amendment rights because of this legislation.
3: Um, yeah, probably there will be a lawsuit. I don't know how uh, well it will go over because you have to find a plaintiff, right? And how do you find a plaintiff if the list is secret? So, I mean, when you go to purchase a gun, which I've done numerous times in Virginia, you fill out two separate forms, one for a state check and one for a federal check. They take them, they enter in the computer, and then the answer comes back hopefully in a few minutes, sometimes in a few hours. In New Jersey, they do the same thing potentially. And you get back a no or a provisional no or a not right now um, or a hold on a little bit kind of message, and you, you know, you just don't get your gun, but it's not like you're told, oh, you did not get a gun because you are on the terrorist watch list.
0: You are ah.
3: told, sorry, there's some problem. Uh, we're going to have to work this out, and I can't uh, sell you this gun right now, you know, come back on Tuesday or something like that. You don't get told you were denied because you're on a terrorist watch list, so how
0: do you find a plaintiff,
3: right? I mean, that's the real problem. I see. Is I standing. see.
0: Okay, I so. understand. I understand. So – Um, Ed, by the way, apparently your connection is just fine, and there's something weird between blog talk and me processing the signal of you to me, so your connection, there's no problem at all. Robert NYC says he he heard you just fine, so it was just a little blog talk glitch. Um, So continue, you want to talk about other pieces of legislation that he signed into law.
3: Right, increases the penalty for illegally transferring a firearm to someone under 18, Um, there's nothing wrong with transferring firearms to people who are under eighteen. People give firearms to to youngsters all the time. A friend of mine just got his eleven year old son a rifle for christmas last christmas uh so what what is illegally? Well, you know selling it to some kid who isn't allowed to have it or something like that. There are already laws in, in a place like that extremely strict federal laws increases the penalties for firearms offenses defined as gun trafficking. Um, these laws, you know, obviously you don't want, uh, you know, random people selling machine guns to gangbangers, but these laws are, are used to harass uh, legit, legitimate gun dealers, and uh, the purpose of them is to increase the risk for any gun dealer in case he accidentally, you know, even when he gets a, a thing says okay from the checklist, accidentally selling to someone who's a straw person or, or illegal. Um Increases penalties for unlawful possession of firearms by making them crimes of the first degree. Uh, Whatever that means, that's just harassment. Uh, Declares violence a public health crisis and establishes a study commission on violence. That's, of course, just nonsense. Allows law enforcement agencies to impound motor vehicles for certain crimes and offenses. Well, we all know how uh, abusive the the seizure laws are for money and vehicles and
0: whatnot. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've heard tons about that. Yeah.
3: Clarifies the information about the total number of firearms, purchaser ID cards, and per, uh, and permits to purchase a handgun, blah, blah, blah. It basically makes private your firearms ID card, but not the number of ID cards. That's probably a decent bill. The terrorist watch list thing. The submission of certain mental health records to the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. That, of course, is a complete violation of privacy. Mm. The only thing that can disqualify you um from owning a firearm right now, is a judge's determination that you are a danger to yourself or another. That is not mental health records. That is a judicial determination. There's right. no problem with putting that in the national Instant check system because that's a judge. But mental health records like have you ever been on Prozac or have you ever – you know, voluntarily been in a mental institution and, you know, had a crisis or something like that. That's a complete violation of privacy.
0: Yeah, definitely. uh, Yeah, I mean, the the judges should definitely, uh, you know, like, as far as I understand, a mental health professional, if that person believes that you pose some sort of imminent risk, maybe to yourself but certainly to other people, that they are actually allowed to come forward and break the privilege that they have, you know, with you, the doctor-patient privilege, and, Inform people, And this is what we were supposed to have happen with the guy, the joker, the so-called joker in Colorado. Uh, he was seeing somebody, a psychiatrist or somebody who should have probably come forward. But, um, you know, then at that point, there can be a determination made about the person's likelihood to do risk. But there's people who go to mental health professionals for all sorts of reasons. And it doesn't mean that that person is... A risk to anyone else that they would actually use force against anyone else, right, Ed?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a complete. Uh, it, it's uh, and it's especially hurting some of our veterans who come home uh, with uh, you know some post traumatic stress and have to go through a process of healing, which includes therapy. But they're finding out that just the fact that they've gone to the army. Psychiatrists to discuss their post traumatic stress has put them on this list for being denied uh firearms rights in the united wow. States now, these are guys these are guys we we give huge machine guns to to go around and you know kill Afghanis and Taliban and whatnot and they can 't own a a handgun or a rifle in the United States, because yeah, so they, the so
0: they 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 risk they risk their lives. They deal with war, which is horrible and ugly. They have some sort of stress, post traumatic stress after that. They seek help for it, which is supposedly the right thing to do, and then they get punished because then they won't be able to exercise their Second Amendment rights. So, so Ed, you're saying that in general. You've got maybe one or two pieces of legislation out of these ten that are decent, but other ones are either redundant or used to intimidate various people or trial balloons or both. They they, they basically I was gonna say they're angry. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say they're, they're they're angling to you know further restrict our Second Amendment rights, and they're just trying to see how much they can get away with, as far as you can tell.
3: Well, the, the terrorists watch this thing. Like I said, there's a trial balloon. They're going to want to try and get it affirmed by a court. the The um, federal circuit court in the Jersey area is is fairly liberal, and if they get it affirmed by that circuit court, maybe they think they could you know potentially do it nationally. Now they don't have the votes to do it nationally right now, but. You never know if this trial balloon goes up and 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 isn't shot down um they hold it in reserve in- in, in the, when they get uh control of the congress the next time so it's okay. um, you know that's the that's the purpose of the uh of the land. i i i know that uh you know you live in california and i uh, i live in America and we americans are are much more um interested and uh Supportive of gun rights and i you know new jersey new york massachusetts california there's not a gun culture there's not a shooting target shooting hunting culture that they have in you know the rest of the country and so it's one yeah, of not the reasons as, not why such.
0: It, de- it definitely exists i mean there are you know shooting ranges around here but i, I doubt it's as popular as it is in a place like texas for example yeah, country, Texas
3: yeah. or, or uh, you know, the rest of the middle of the country with friends in Alabama here in Virginia.
0: Um, here, here's here's a question. So does the fact that – and I, I want to kind of switch to a, a, a different topic. I actually didn't intend to spend so much time on the, the gun control issue. But let's talk about Chris Christie in a, in a little bit broader way. Does the fact that he is leading in the polls say anything to you about the long-term nature of the battle – Or do you think that it's too early to surmise anything from the fact that he's leading in a couple of Rasmussen polls right now?
3: No, I mean, uh, Bosch is exactly right. Uh, When he came out against the public unions, uh, he he was a rock star to people on the right. And we were like, uh, oh, my God, that's exactly what we need, a person who's going to stand up to these unions, to these leftists, and tell them what it is instead of doing weasel, you know, weaseling like, George W. Bush, weaseling like Romney, here's a guy who will stand up to these, um, you know, destructive public unions and tell them that if they don't like it, they can go find something else better to do. And, you know, that resonated. Uh, Unfortunately, over time, that has died off, and now it's all about appointing, you know, Muslim judges, as Bosh said. Right. It's... it's, uh, it's this, uh, you know, gun control push. Although he has not signed the last three, we'll see what happens there. And um, he he's all about the global warming nonsense. And um, he he, I don't understand the motivation for him or for McCain. Who, McCain's crazy, yeah. but to to attack Cruz, Lee, and Paul, I don't think yeah. there is an upside to attacking them. He could have said, "Oh well, I disagree with Senator Paul," but You know, we can talk about that. But, no, he's putting him down in that stupid fashion. I mean, I disagree with some of what Paul says, but that doesn't mean I'm going to put him down like that. So he's really pushing for a fight, and I think uh, he's going to lose. You know, he might win in New Hampshire, though. You never know. And the whole primary process is very long and complex. And Santorum's probably going to win Iowa, and maybe Christie's going to win New Hampshire San Santorum's the evil of course. Then you go to South Carolina and it's like now what do you got maybe Cruz and Paul split the vote and Christy No wait, wait, wait. wait. Wait, wait,
0: wait. Let's back up. So it's 2013 and we're talking about the 2016 election right now. This, they're, here's they're here's about the polls. No, I know, I know. But I mean in terms of like, you know, which state is going to go to whom and what candidate I here is my little dream, my little dream that is Meet going around. to Huh? Oh. Oh, oh yeah, Bosch is going to run. Sorry. That, okay, that, yeah. that was That's a dream. That, that was it. No, I have a little bit more realistic dream Watch. than Bosch-Faustin running for president. Just president a little more. President
1: Faustin, I can hear it.
0: Here, here it is, and I, I'm going to hold on to it as long as possible. So it is that Ted Cruz wins the fight to defund Obamacare. <laughs> he becomes the leading candidate, wins everywhere, and everything is awesome Land and flight. wonderful. And I don't have to worry about San Borum, as we used <laughs> to call nice. him. Or Chris, Chris Separation
1: speaker. between state and Santorum, please. Yeah, definitely. Um I, I,
3: I would I would I would love that too. But of course I
0: love uh, fantasy writing, you know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what I want to hold on to. You know, again, and and this is going back to, you know, Ken Gardner talking about is it emotionalism to want to defund Obamacare? I don't think it's emotionalism, but it is saying, Look, there is a real need for those of us who are fighting this fight to reduce the size and particularly the scope of government, there's, there's a need for us to have some emo, emotional fuel. And emotional fuel not in the form of reading Atlas Shrugged over and over again. Um, emotional fuel in the form of seeing a real politician do something that is actually achievable in the real world now, or at least trying his damnedest to do so. And I, I mean, I think seeing that out there helps. It helps fuel us to keep fighting the fight. We see that there is a politician who got elected to the Senate who is fighting a horrible, evil piece of legislation in a principled way. The, I, I don't think it's emotionalism. I think it is saying, look, this is a situation where he, this guy can succeed on this concrete issue and in fighting in a principled way to succeed, he's giving the rest of us emotional fuel. So I I, I draw a distinction. Does that argument fly with you, or am I just an emotionalist, Ed? No, I think that argument is exactly
3: right. I think that's the only way that either Paul or Cruz can bring themselves up. They have to be part of a national issue, and this is a great national issue. Um, He hasn't been as effective so far. I mean, He's all over Twitter, but he hasn't gotten the breakout on this in the mainstream media. Hasn't, hasn't been allowed in to. In the, And in the Senate. No, I agree, Bosch. He hasn't yeah. been allowed to. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. No um,
3: so he needs something, like that filibuster. It was stupid. I mean, drones yes. in the in it was stupid, but just, it energized people. He needs something like that. He needs something well, to capture the imagination handsome. of the public.
0: I you know, I, I don't know all the procedural aspects of this and I may end up starting to do a little crash course on, on procedure in the House and the Senate. But as I, you know, just surmise, the continuing resolution that's going to fund our country without actually making a formal balance or formal budget of any kind, which they haven't done forever, yeah. uh this continuing resolution would be passed first in the House and then it would come to the Senate. And couldn't the Senate insofar as the continuing resolution contains any funding for Obamacare. Couldn't they just filibuster the hell out of it?
3: Um, I don't think those kind of bills are subject to the filibuster. I'll have to look it up.
0: But okay, so maybe maybe that's that it. Maybe were. that's it. Maybe that's it. So maybe it's it, it, maybe it has to be passed in the House without any funding for Obamacare, mandatory or discretionary, and then they're going to have to see if they can get it through the Senate that way. And that's it. Okay. Yeah, but he
3: needs he needs a national platform. You know right. he needs like that filibuster that energizes people. He needs yep. something to get up so that the people of Iowa and New Hampshire stand up and look at this guy. He needs that, and uh, yep. I don't know I don't know how to do
0: it. And there's nothing like that in the House. There's no filibuster opportunity or anything else. I, I mean, really, I think the thing is for us as much as possible. Share, share, share that link for Don't Fund Obamacare. Share, share, share that video, that video where he explains the strategy to the members of the House where he talks about defunding both the discretionary and the mandatory spending. He explains it in a clear, simple, principled, articulate way. I I, I just think that anybody with a brain couldn't resist that message. I agree. I'll let you go, Amy. You Thank week. you very much, Ed, for calling in. Ed. And uh, yeah, we'll okay. definitely talk to you next week.
1: There's an update about uh, Obama's words about Snowden, just for record. Okay. Uh, he was asked. I guess he was asked a question. I don't know. I don't know what the question was, but the answer is, no, I don't think Mr. Snowden is a patriot. So we have Barack Obama, you know, Barack Benghazi Obama, telling us who is an or who is not an American patriot. You know, the anti-patriot. Someone actually wrote on there and the hatred, Barack Obama. Yes. saying that uh, Snowden, who informed us about this, Barack Obama was behind this, and, and now, but supposedly, yes, he yes, came there, even though the old days, he said phony scandals, and on Leno he said, we are not surveying, you know, we,
0: we are we are not uh, spying on Americans, said, we are not spying.
1: Then he comes out here today and says there will be some reforms. Reforms of what? Because they're not spying. I mean, everything's good, right? I,
0: I tell you what the reforms are going to be. The reforms are going to be... That Google, covered up better. No. Guys covered,
1: nobody, no. No. But he told Tim Cook, you guys got to cover up better the next time.
0: They're going to say we're going to we're going to pass some reforms. The reforms are going to be that Google can't track you on the internet as much because they're just evil and they want to make a profit. All we want to do is keep you secure. Did you see what the reforms are? I mean, this no. this is this is the stupidest this thing is, that I saw. I, I did see yeah. a headline today of something that the NSA is doing, and that is firing a whole ton of people who were in positions comparable to Edward Snowden. And their idea is that the fewer people who have access to the type of data that Edward Snowden had, the fewer Edward Snowdens that there will be out there. But all I say is if, you know, to do the job competently, you required all of those people, then, you know, firing a whole bunch so- of them is just going to make it even worse. It's, it's I, mean, I mean, imagine – they The NSA had all this data. They couldn't stop the Boston massacre, as we'll call it now again, you know, the Boston Marathon massacre of uh, those two scumbag brothers. Um, they couldn't stop it. They didn't track it. Why? Because their haystack, you know, yeah. is so huge exactly right. that they can't find the needle. So imagine now that you have reduced considerably the number of people searching that haystack, and mm. yet they still—I mean, they're not going to give up collecting all that information. Before
1: they fired the people, they said, "Do you love the government or America?" And they said, uh, "America." Boom. Next, I mean, they kept firing them left and right. So anyone who loved the—you know—the country above the, above his government, they got—they got fired. I think that was a was question, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, in terms of the uh, issue of Snowden being a patriot,
1: yeah.
0: Every statement that I saw from Snowden so far, no, yeah. he was saying. I believe that what our government is doing is against American values. Exactly right. And he said, "I our don't." Our government
1: is not being patriotic. He
0: says, "I don't want to be part of a system or live under a government that operates that way." I don't think he said Snowden, anything. Snowden sees himself as taking actions in line with the true spirit of what America I'm is saying, about, and, nobody, I, and I agree.
1: None of his critics have been able to take his words and use them against him in a negative way. They've been able. They just say a uh, traitor.
0: Well, there are there are things that you could you could say about stuff that Snowden has well, said. So, for see, instance, Snowden in, in has in terms of
1: being a traitor. No, 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 no. No. But
0: Snowden has well. Here's the thing. Snowden has a couple of yucky views on foreign policy that are he's sort a, of Ron Polish. polished.
1: He's, he's a young liberal li, libertarian, right, most right. of them do.
0: But on this issue of that's what I'm saying, the you well, know the privacy, issue.
1: No, but that's and, the whole
0: point. And and the uh, the NSA programs that our government is engaged right. in, he's not said anything bad. No. He was talking about, you know, oh, Guantanamo should have been right. closed and <laughs> right, right. we should not have uh, been, I think, in Afghanistan or something. But it was it was also something else, you know, that I, I just think his foreign policy I would not what agree saying, with. Him there's on nothing all that
1: of they can policy. say, Well this guy yeah. said this and that makes him a traitor and what, no. There there were not He's not a traitor. Again, those behind the program are traitors. Those who were, you know, sh- keeping shut are are the traitors. But,
0: yeah. No, anyway, it is true. But I. know I, I another would've... breaking
1: story. Uh, Pukin's um, judo instructor died, and he was at a funeral, and he had to run from, from the media because he got all emotional. That's, that's another breaking story in Drudge. Pukin's judo uh, trainer. Yeah.
0: Why do we know that? I don't know, it just sounds funny. <laughs> See, I guess I guess we care yeah. about Pukin now because Snowden is buddies with him. Yeah, but you called him don't... Putin
1: before. Just call him puking. Let's keep it consistent.
0: Okay. Puking. Okay. okay. That's, that's why you put that story in there, just to get me to call him Pukin. True. We have a couple more stories. One story I talked a little bit about on Tammy Bruce yesterday, and it is the headline, $4 million teacher, the $4 million teacher. This is an essay, actually, from last Saturday, or actually maybe a couple Saturdays ago, August 3rd, actually last Saturday, at the Wall Street Journal, the $4 million teacher. And it talks about a teacher named Kim Kai-hoon. I I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. I'm sorry if I really munched it. But this is a, a South Korean instructor. And he is not an instructor of the South Korean government schools. They have government schools in South Korea. He is a private tutor in what they call in South Korea the hagwons. Uh, there's a certain hagwon, and let me see if I can find the name of the particular company that he works for. It's called Mega something or another. Let me, let me scroll down. But yeah, Mega Study. Mega Study is the online hagwon that Mr. Kim works for. He makes $4 million a year working for them. Now, why is it? It is because in South Korea, the students do not really learn all they need to know in school. So they have to attend school twice. They attend school, the government school, during the day, and then they go to these private tutors, these Hagwans, either online or in person, in the afternoons and the evenings. And it's only by going to the Hagwans that they can actually be competitive. All the Hagwans, it's, it's a meritocracy. The competition among the Hagwans is fierce. If you are a hagwon and you're particularly effective and you work for one company, you might be bid away by another company. They'll pay you a higher salary according to your results. Uh, the other thing that happens is that when you go and search for a hagwan to teach your child, right, you know, you want to find a tutor for your own child, you will see the statistics proudly displayed like on signs out in front of the shops and everything. They will say, look, my students have gotten this increase in test scores or whatever it is. So they are competing ruthlessly on the merits, the actual results that they achieve. There's tons of innovation in terms of teaching styles and, uh, you know, all the different types of media that they use in order to help teach, you know, that all the, all the different things. So, what do you learn? You learn that in South Korea they've recognized it sort of like healthcare in england. you've got a two tier system you've got the free ha 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 free nothing hmm. nothing's free because it's all paid for by tax dollars but the free provided education, which apparently in South Korea is now deemed pretty much worthless and then you have the the private education, so you have the the public the government schools worthless you have the private education that you pay for out of pocket, which is actually worth something. And I think what it shows is the failure of government schools. This story really, really demonstrates that. And I think it shows that this is probably the same kind of thing that's going to continue to happen here. You have seen a rise in private tutors here as well in the United States, but it's not nearly – as established in industry and of course the teachers don't get paid nearly as well as they do in South Korea but it says in South Korea 47% of eighth graders are ranked advanced in the United States only 7% are ranked that way based on test scores so this is working but it means that all the students are having to go to school twice once to the worthless government school once to the hagwons and i say let's just uh, abolish. I mean, Absolutely. this this was the topic, the whole, I had a whole hour with C. Bradley Thompson on Tammy Bruce's show back in May, I believe People it was. And, um, and uh, actually, I actually think it was June, June 6th, early June. And he said, we need to abolish the government schools. He is for abolition. Yep. Nothing middle of the road, not reform, not anything else. We need to abolish them. And I think this article at the Wall Street Journal is just more evidence that he's right. Why even bother going to the government school in South Korea? Why not just spend your whole day at the Hagwon or spend a half day at the Hagwon exactly. and spend the other half of your day just being a child? Yeah, having fun. Going out, having fun. You know, that any, any of the decent private schools that I've seen lately, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Lisa Van Dam does a, a private school. The Laporte Schools has a private school. There's other uh, home schools that you see. One of the whole concerns in the, any decent private schools out there is to have the kids do their schoolwork as much as possible during the school day, yeah, exactly. not to assign the horrible amounts of homework that you get in the government schools. In the government schools, they keep you busy for hours and hours with homework, and they think that that's teaching you something.
1: And they want to stretch those uh, hours longer. Why? To keep the children in the hands of the government longer. That's the only reason. There's no other. It's not about education. They want a, a, to add a few hours more and even weekends sometimes. This this is no joke. Obama tried to propose this a few years ago to keep kids into the hands of government for a lot longer than they are.
0: Talk about no time for physical activity.
1: Yeah.
0: Talk about no time to think for yourself.
1: Just to, enough to vote for them.
0: Yeah, Robert, New York City yeah. reminds us of the Ayn Rand essay, the Comprachicos, yep. which everyone should definitely go read. Comprachicos. Kids can't just be kids anymore. They have to spend their whole day. So go ahead and check out that article over at the Wall Street Journal. The four million dollar teacher. Yes, if teachers are paid according to ability, then you might actually be able to get a huge salary if you are a great teacher. You should be able to.
1: Yes, but they want great salaries for bad teachers also. I mean, that, that's probably it. they're so underpaid. Well, a lot of them are bad. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: One other thing that I saw from the story was that at one of the hagwon companies, they had an attrition rate. They fired the bottom 10% of their teachers each year. Hmm. And I think in the government schools, it was something like 1% or 2%, and that was it. So imagine that there are schools that are actually getting rid of the lousy teachers only in the private schools in South Korea.
1: No doubt. No doubt about it.
0: Now, um, one quick yucky story before we go on to another story that I think is actually a piece of good news politically. This is just a, you know an update in the ongoing jihad that is happening in our in our country. There was a man who killed someone in Ace Hardware store. Killed an employee at an Ace Hardware store in California. I think it was in Walnut, California which is up in Northern California, uh, this man who killed the Ace Hardware employee was supposedly on a mission from Allah, Yep, a, a recent de- convert. deputy DA says, and it goes on to say that the person was a recent convert to Islam, that the person, according to his family whom he was visiting in the area, supposedly was going to go back to his wife and child, but ended up going into an Ace Hardware store. and did some weird stuff you know I bring up this story only because this is happening there are people who are converting to Islam and then going out and doing these missions for Allah which means killing innocent
1: People. Usually it's guys whose, whose lives have gone sour, and they just flip a switch and say, okay, I'm going to join this thing that, that they got going. And right. again, these stories are this – is, this is buried. This is some obscure news source. I don't even know what it is.
0: It's the Contra
1: Costa Times. Exactly. The, the
0: link is on my blog over at DontLetItGo.com. It's it go. a local paper,
1: period, and that's what they're doing. If you recall, in the, in the Bush years as well, they said there's never been – there has been attacks since 9-11. There were always attacks. Yeah. LAX, four people murdered by a Muslim screaming at Allahu Akbar. Every every few months, every every summer, there was something going on, but they did not it as a terrorist attack because if they do it, then it will look bad on Bush, right. as with Obama.
0: But, yeah, just remember, if you want to see any of the stories that we talked about today, I have links over at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. Under the program notes for today's show, you can find all these links. Uh, why did he kill this particular person? It it doesn't say why this guy killed the employee in particular. Well, the as guy far- wasn't
1: a Muslim. The guy he killed, he was an infidel.
0: I guess, I guess. No, so mind. so this is what the guy did. The guy goes into the store and he walked up to this employee and also a customer. The employee and another customer were discussing the paint per why well, I would say another customer. This guy wasn't a customer, he's a murderer. Yeah. Um, but he you know, Stone and this customer, Stone was the victim, were discussing a paint purchase. And then this guy, Agnew is his last name, um, said that uh you know, but actually, oh, yeah, so, so he tried to approach the two. And then Stone told, told this guy, this jihadist, he said, I'll help the customer on my own because this Agnew guy was trying to interrupt. Agnew goes ahead and he starts taking the store's spray paint off the shelf. He didn't buy it or yeah. anything, right? He just takes the spray paint and starts painting his face in Oakland Raiders silver and black. Why? Because Agnew apparently said the football team is in favor with Allah. Yeah. Okay, so but, and know, I, you know, I, I just tell Muhammad you, I just, I just, I just tell you that by by way of just, if you go to a store and somebody's acting strange, get out. Something. The, you you can't tell by race because this is an ideology. Yeah. It's not a race. Anybody could adopt it at any time. If you see unstable behavior, just get out. I want all of you, my audience members, to be safe. We are just about at the end of the hour. I want to talk about the one good story. Go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and read about the revival of the so-called, it's the so-called penny plan. The penny plan is a sequester alternative to the balanced budget. Some good Republicans are saying, look, we can balance the budget in two years if we just cut out 1% of current spending, only 1%. The government can still spend 99% of every dollar that it's still spending. If they just cut out one penny, In two years, we'll have a balanced budget. I think that's a very reasonable thing. They can pitch it to the American people in a principled way. I hope it succeeds. So that's all the time we have today, everyone. Everybody, if you want to follow me, go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com, and you can find every single way of getting in touch with me, Twitter, Facebook, everything else. Most importantly, you can find the program notes for today, and if you like, make a contribution. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. See, See you next time. Thanks, Bosh.